0: podcasts from Aberdeen Standard Investment Trusts. Invest in good company. Hello and welcome to the latest in our Aberdeen Standard Investment Trust podcast series. With me today are Bruce Stout and Martin Conahan, managers on the Murray International Trust. We're going to be discussing where they're seeing opportunities today as the economic recovery begins in earnest. Welcome everyone. Bruce, let's start with you. Um, The last year has been unusual, to say the least. Let's talk a little bit about how the Trust has fared over the past 12 months.
1: Well, I think, first of all, you can say that nothing really prepares you for a year like last year, because we've encountered things last year that we've never seen before. So I think, to sum it up, it was really a year to try and negotiate, to get through without losing any money. And we did that just about in terms of the net asset value total return was roughly flat. Um, We did manage to increase the dividend ahead of the rate of inflation, which is the investment objective of the trust. And I guess the final thing was that through the adversity, we did manage to take advantage of many of the opportunities that presented themselves, particularly earlier in the year when we switched a lot of bond money into equities and enhanced the yield and dividend growth characteristics of the trust.
0: Great. Now, uh, Martin, there's, there's been a sh- notable change in market mood over the past few months. Could you talk a bit about how that's manifested in the portfolio and whether you've made any changes as a result?
2: Yeah, well, there's, there's, there's not been a change in... Prices are my own mid, but there has been the, yeah, the much commented on, you know, rotation within the market, you know, a little bit from growth towards value since the end of October into November. I mean, how that's manifested itself in the portfolio and a geographic perspective, we've seen exposures to Latin America and emerging markets in Asia uh, begin to, you know, perform quite well. Uh, we've seen exposures from the energy sector, uh, from materials, um, industrials, and, you know, also begin to perform quite well. We've made changes in the portfolio during that time, but not, not, not as a direct result of, of the rotation. You know, we've reduced some of the airport exposure, for example. We sold out of Auckland Airport. Uh, we reduced a sewer in Mexico at the margin just because those stocks had rebounded quite well and there's still uncertainty around around air travel. Uh, You know, we've been adding to elements of consumer staples or utilities, pharmaceuticals as well, which have been a little bit weaker. So, you know, we've been taking advantage of the market environment, but that's far more driven by, you know, just opportunities that we're seeing at the stock level, rather than us trying to play any theme that the market might be you know focusing on from one quarter to the next because the direction travels travel is quite difficult to gauge as is the length of time that the market might be focusing on it.
0: Okay great thanks Martin um, and Bruce how confident are you about the emerging economic recovery and does it really make any difference to your portfolio positioning?
1: Yes um the economic recovery is going to be very difficult, I suspect. None of us have tread this path of uh, recovery from a pandemic, so I dare say there'll be quite a few pitfalls along the way. But what's of prime importance to ourselves, is not so much the economic recovery, but more the business prospects for the companies uh, in which we invested and have in the portfolio. For some of those companies, that were uh, suffered last year from social immobility of of people is a welcome relief that things will get back to normal. We'll start to see the businesses pick up again. And a lot of them have done a very good job of of protecting their assets during a tough period. And it will be very interesting to see what operational leverage they have to, to recovery as we go forward from here in some of the companies that we own.
0: OK, and, and Martin, what other big themes would you highlight from the portfolio at the moment? I
2: guess the only thing that we would really only ever point to would be the one of diversification. You know, we're just really always trying to buy well-run, well-managed businesses that, that do different things in, in different parts of the globe. Because, you know, last year that certainly helped with regards to securing the, the, the revenues that we need to generate for the trust. And, you know, given the uncertainty going forward, we feel that that's probably the only theme that's ever really prevalent in the trust is one of being a globally diversified investment mm.
0: trust. And Bruce, dividends were obviously one of the casualties of the pandemic, though, though less so for the kind of global markets in, in, in which in which you operate. But in, with that in mind, are you, are you seeing dividends come back? Uh, and if so, are there any patterns to where they've been strongest, uh, you know, in terms of geography or sector?
1: Well, dividends are absolutely key, aren't they, for for an income trust, and it's something that Martin and I have been obviously paying a lot of attention to. I think the key here is to be able to have geographical and business diversification. And the last time we really had a full-blown dividend recession in the U.K., you have to go back 20 years, and it lasted for about five years. Um, Even if you take the dividend recession of 09 in the the global financial crisis, it was quite concentrated in the banks. Uh, Many of these banks are still not back to what they had before. So I think the key to recovering dividends is to keep the diversification throughout the portfolio. If there are one trend that we kind of see is that the strongly financed companies, particularly in Asia, have been far less hit uh, than than some of the businesses in the more developed world where we've seen dividends decimated, particularly in the UK. I think the UK dividends were down over 40% last year. So it's all about diversification from here and strong balance sheets.
0: Okay. Um, And Martin, you've, you've talked about diversification just then, but what does the geographic mix of the portfolio look like today? I mean, clearly there are areas where it's easier to get dividends than others, where dividends have been stronger. I notice you've reduced your Japan weighting a little bit and increased your US weighting, I think. Can you talk us through what the, what the portfolio looks like today in those terms?
2: Yeah, certainly. I mean, if you look at the sort of more recent additions to the trust over the last you know, 12 to 18 months, they have been from everywhere. We've put you know, US tech companies in, uh, we've put European insurance companies in, uh, we've put Asian and Chinese-focused real estate companies in. So the recent additions to the trust have been, have been from all over the globe, as we would expect. I mean, in terms of the asset allocation and from the geographic perspective at the moment, uh, you're quite right, we're actually now, since exiting Japan Tobacco, we actually have a zero waiting in Japan at the moment, uh, just as a result of us struggling to see companies that we're both happy with that have the, the sizable and growing and sustainable dividends that we like to see. Elements of the allocation that remain or have remained relatively stable have been exposures to Latin America and Asia. Those have remained where they have been for largely the last few years. And yeah, more recently, the, the US weight has been, has been creeping up and the North American weight is around 25%. Um, and if anything, that's been you know, funded from a, a sort of gradual reduction in the UK weight uh, the last few years, the UK weight at the moment. Is just around about 6%. So in terms of activity, there have been from all over the globe uh, new your stocks that we've been putting in. Uh, elements of stability within the asset allocation, being you know, Asia and emerging markets. But there has been a little bit of a shift from some developed markets in the UK uh, and Japan to developed markets in, in North America.
0: In 2020, there was, there was marginally higher turnover on the trust. Bruce, I wonder if you could just talk a bit about why that
1: was um, yeah, this kind of follows on from what Martin was saying. A small part of that was due to necessity. We had a couple of business models we owned. I think irrevocably changed because of the pandemic, and, and we sold out a couple of banks: Bank of cow in Poland and Public Bank in Malaysia. But the vast majority of the increased turnover was because of opportunity. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Um, and at times, to be able to buy high quality. Uh, equities, good companies, diversified companies, trading with above six percent yields, uh, double-digit dividend growth over one, three, and five-year periods. Uh, it was an opportunity not to miss, and we could finance it from particularly emerging market bonds and get yield pickup and dividend growth pickup. So, so that was the main reason for the increase in the transaction activity.
0: Okay, thanks. And Martin, let's let's turn to the risk side now. I mean, what what do you consider the main risks in markets today? Um, and are you doing anything in the portfolio to kind of protect against those risks?
2: Where do you start? I mean, there could be, you know, the risk of another pandemic, there could be the risk of a, you know, a tantrum within markets, you know, if and when there's to be a, a movement on rates, if you believe that, you know, inflation is going to be on the rise for longer. You've got special purpose acquisition companies, anything that labelled the SG ran quite hard last year. We've got heavily oversubscribed IPOs, you've got geopolitical risk, you've got climate change. I mean, you can come up with a million and one risks if you you know really, really put your mind to it. That could impact on, on capital markets. The point I would stress is that if you already ask us what our view for last year would have been at the beginning of last year in terms of what the largest risk would have been, we would have probably have given you the wrong answer. So, you know, what what do we do? We, you know, we focus on the things that we can control. And that's quite simply the stocks that we put into the trust and the stocks that we don't. And in doing that, we just ask ourselves, you know, really, really simple questions around the management team and the business and the financial strength of it. And the market in which it operates and the strength of cash flows and the dividends. Um, and, you know, just, I just really don't see that changing at all. And I, again, that just brings us back to that obsession with diversification, if you like.
0: Bruce, the markets have obviously run up quite a long way, but there's there's kind of been a lot going on under the surface. What would you say about valuations today? Are they are they a mixed bag? Are you seeing overvaluations in some areas and undervaluation elsewhere? I mean, what, what what's your big picture?
1: Well, I think uh, Martin and myself are we're very much focused on on what we can measure in terms of valuations because what what we've seen over really the last five or ten years is that when there is a scarcity of growth and there has been really during a period of uncertain policy in the world, then people are prepared to pay higher and higher multiples for growth. And it's not something that we are prepared to do. The other thing that we've noticed recently are people moving further and further up the balance sheet to try and justify ownership of businesses and and using metrics such as price to sales or price to clicks or whatever. And it's not something um, that, that we can get a tangible hold on. But conversely, in in many of the businesses that were overlooked last year, in the broader sense, uh, as the market focused on tech and e-businesses all over the place, those valuations look okay relative to what's achievable in terms of earnings and dividends. And so that's where our focus continues to be, as it's always been. We're looking to buy growth at a reasonable price.
0: Great. And then, Martin, just final question to you, do you have any sense of what will be you know, the big themes for global investors over the next 12 months? Obviously, nobody would have pre- predicted the pandemic, but do you, do you think things like interest rates or inflation might dominate?
2: Uh, Yeah, I mean, it'll certainly be too. I think, you know, the market will probably first and foremost focus on the, you know, the unwind of lockdown and the opening up of economies and trying to speculate on who will be and then subsequently who ultimately are, the you know, the winners and losers of that. ESG was a focus last year. Elements of that have suffered a bit more recently, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, Growth versus value, as we've mentioned, bond yields. And yeah, uh, definitely then, you know, inflation feeding through to at some point where and when on interest rates would be just some of the things that market participants will probably be able to focus on in the next 12 months.
0: Thank you, Bruce, Martin, for those insights today and to our listeners for tuning in. You can find out more about the Trust at wwwmurray intlcouk and please do look out for future episodes. The value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, and investors may get back less than the amount invested. Past performance is not a guide to future returns. Return projections are estimates and provide no guarantee of future results.